Here's an example that's different from what we've been working before. Write the following without matrices. We have the matrix 4, 3, 1, negative 2. And if it's not written, you can assume there's multiplication in between if they're written next to each other. XY equals 2, 6. So let's start with the left-hand side of this equation. We have a matrix times another matrix. It just so happens that this matrix has variables. Still, we have a 2 by 2 times a 2 by 1, so we can multiply it, and our result will be a 2 by 1. So we can multiply these two together on the left-hand side, and first row, first column, 4x plus 3 times y and then our second row, first column, second row, first column, 1x minus 2y or plus a negative 2y, x minus 2y equals the matrix 2, 6, also a column vector. So we have a matrix on the left equals a matrix of the same size on the right. So we can conclude, therefore, that the two corresponding entries are equal. So do we need the matrices anymore? We have 4x plus 3y equals 2, and we have 1x minus 2y must, therefore, equal 6. So actually, we have something that should look familiar. We have a system of two linear equations. So we can actually go backwards from here and see that if we wanted to represent a system of equations in a matrix form with an equals and a matrix on each side of the equals, we could do that this way here with the 4, 3, 1, negative 2, x, y equals 2, 6. Take a second, look at the system of linear equations at the bottom here, 4x plus 3y equals 2, and 1x minus 2y equals 6. Can you see what this first matrix up above represents? 4, 3, 1, negative 2. We have the coefficients from the system of equations all represented as a matrix. Then we have times the column vector x, y, our variables, x and y. Then we have the equals, and then we have our answers on the right-hand side. So if we went the other way and said, represent this following system of equations in matrix form, you could do it going backwards. So it makes sense that we could also go the other way. We could start with a system of equations and write it as a matrix equation. So take a minute and think about how you would write this system of equations in matrix form the way it's written in the previous example. With a matrix, that's going to be your coefficients, times a column with variables in it. Since we only have x and y, it's going to be multiplied by our xy column. And then we still have an equal sign. And then we'll have our constants 
on the right hand side and you'll notice that I skipped the hardest part because all of these, the x, y, the equals, the 6, 9, they all come from the system. The x and the y and the equal sign and the 6, 9 are pretty much the same up above. And then it makes sense that what's left is our coefficients. So we have to have a coefficient matrix, 3, 5, 2, 7, that we're going to multiply by our variable column, x, y. And then when we do that multiplication on the left-hand side, we should have equals 6 and equals 9. So you can just verify for yourself with a quick multiplication, 3x plus 5y equals 6. That's the first equation. And then the second row, 2x plus 7y equals 9. That's the second equation. So this is the first technique we're going to use in representing a system of linear equations with matrices. It's not the only one, and if you've learned any of this before, you might um, be wondering why I'm not doing it a different way. But you will probably see that other way in the next section. This way is using the matrix equation AX equals B. A, it's implied that there's a multiplication in there. A times X equals B, where X is representing the variable column. A is representing the coefficient matrix. And B represents the constants on the right-hand side. And then you still have the equals. So we can represent a system of linear equations as AX equals B. Why that's going to be useful, you'll see in just a minute. But first, let's work through an example from the book that's slightly different from any we've done before. Write the system of linear equations right here in the matrix form AX equals B. So the matrix form AX equals B, remember the X represents the variables like you would think it should. The A in front of it is your coefficient matrix equals B, the constants on the right-hand side of the equal sign. So if you just decipher that, sometimes it's easiest for people to work backwards. The B is on the right-hand side of the equals. That's the 9, 11, negative 1 column. Then we have the equals, and then we have the variables. Now this time, X represents all the variables, and we have 3 this time. So we have a vector of x, y, z, a column vector x, y, z, three variables. And then we have the coefficients in front. Since there are three variables and three equations, it's going to be a three by three matrix. Or you can just start and you'll, it'll take care of itself. The first coefficient is three. The second coefficient is four. The last coefficient is negative seven. In the next equation, we have coefficients 2. If it's not written, you can assume it's a 1. Well, if the y is written but there's nothing in front of it, you can assume it's a 1. Then we have 5z, so the coefficient is 5. Now, if the variable itself is not written, i.e., there's no x, then you can imagine what you need to write in here as a placeholder. Because if you don't write it and you just put the 2 and the 3, you're going to see a, a glaring hole in your matrix. Or even worse, if you don't see the hole, you might forget that it needs to be there. Something needs to be there. So we need a placeholder, and that very special placeholder that makes our life so much easier in the base 10 number system is zero. So we have zero in the 3, 1 spot of the coefficient matrix. 
So this is of the form AX equals B. Coefficients times the variables equals the constants on the right-hand side. So this is special because we haven't done any yet that didn't have a variable somewhere, so you need that zero placeholder. Now we're going to talk about how this is going to be useful in one of our objectives in this chapter, which is to find out what x is. That always seems to be what we're trying to do in math class, and this is no different. We're looking for the variable x, but this time the variable x represents three variables inside, little x, y, and z. We want to find the values for x, y, and z, or maybe there's only one, or maybe there are none, but in any case, we want to find if there are values for x, y, and z that work in every single equation in the system, i.e., if, if there are values for x, y, and z that make a true statement in the first equation, a true statement in the second equation, and a true statement in the third equation. Is there a number or a set of numbers that make each of these equations true at the same time. And that's what it means for a system of equations to have a solution. In two dimensions, with x and y, you're talking about the intersection, possibly, of two lines. Remember at the beginning of the chapter when we were talking about break-even analysis? We have a cost function, and we have a revenue function, and where the two are equal is our point of intersection of the lines. It can also be represented by a system of equations. When we get into three variables, we're talking about intersections of planes in 3-space, in 3-D. And if they do exist, there will be a solution to this. If they do intersect, excuse me. If they intersect, there will be a solution. If the solution doesn't exist, then that represents parallel planes. Just like if there's no solution in two dimensions, we have parallel lines. We're going to talk about all of this much more in much more depth in a couple of sections. But I just wanted to talk about it for a minute so that we could take a, a moment to think again about what we are trying to do with these matrices. One objective is to solve for x, y, and z. And what that means is finding coordinates for each of these variables. Now, how do we do that, given something written in the form AX equals B? How do we find X? Well, let's go back to something we already know. That's often a very good technique. So let's think about something we do know how to solve. How do we solve this problem? 3X equals 24. And before I write that down and continue, I really should write a simpler problem. We're not ready to answer this question, what is x, y, and z? But we could answer the simpler problem, 3x equals 24, what's x now? So we know how to solve this from algebra class. We divide both sides by 3, right? And we get x equals 8. Well, that would be nice, except have I taught anything that has to do with dividing with matrices? If I could divide by this matrix, couldn't we find x, y, and z? Just like when we divide by the coefficient 3, we can find x equals 8. How do I divide with matrices? The last thing we did was multiplication. Well, there's a hint. There's another way to write division. What if I were to multiply both sides 
by 3 to the negative 1 power. And with real numbers, it doesn't matter which side I multiply on, right? Multiplication is commutative over the real numbers. So 3 to the negative 1 power is another word for 1 divided by 3. So that's another way to say divide by 3. 1 third times 3 is 1. And so then we would have our 1x. But we'd have to do 1 third times 24 as well. That's no problem. That's also still 8. So all I'm showing right here is that dividing by 3 to solve for x is the same as multiplying both sides by the negative 1 power of 3. Now remember that negative 1 power means reciprocal, which is another word for division. Now with matrices, we don't have reciprocals of matrices, but we do have something else. And what we have is the inverse matrix. This is why they use this notation, a to the negative 1, because it's very similar to the notation 3 to the negative 1, that when we multiply by 3 will give us a result of 1. So just like when we take 1 third times 3, I could have written equals 1 times x. If I take a inverse times a, by definition of a inverse, can you remember what a inverse a equals? a inverse times a by definition, equals i. So we have i times x. Now on the other side, I've purposely ignored that for a moment. We had ax equals b. Let me clear out that other part so it's not in our way. We had ax equals b. And I wanted to multiply the left-hand side by a inverse so that I could get rid of that coefficient. It's just like dividing by a, but I can't divide with matrices, so I multiply by a inverse instead. But what's the thing that's always true in math class? It always seems that in math, above all other things, everything has to be fair. Everything has to be balanced. So if you do something to the left-hand side of the equation, you better make sure you do exactly the same thing to the right-hand side or you're going to change the equation. It's no longer going to be a true statement. Or if you think of an equation as balanced scales, you've tipped the scales in one direction and you don't want to do that. So we need to do the same thing to the other side. And not only do I have to do the same thing to the other side, but this time, I've got to make sure that I multiply on the same side. Unlike with my algebra example where it didn't matter which order I multiplied in, if I multiply on the left-hand side of the ax on the left-hand side of the equation, then on the right-hand side of the equation, the a inverse still needs to be on the left-hand side. So we have a inverse first, then times b. So it turns out that when I go from ax equals b, I can multiply both sides by a inverse, both on the left-hand side. And when I do that, a inverse times a will become i times x equals, now I don't know what this is yet, that's actually going to be my answer, ix equals a inverse b. And the identity times any matrix, by definition, is just 
actually not even by definition, it just works. When you take the identity times any matrix, you get X. So the solution, the X matrix, which represents the variables, in this case, X, Y, and Z, in that last case, X, Y, Z equals whatever you get by taking the inverse times the answer matrix. So, if you know the inverse matrix, you can multiply it by the answer column, and that'll give you your solution to the system of equations. Now, that's a big if. If we know and if it exists. Remember that A inverse does not exist for every matrix A. First of all, A needs to be square. Second of all, not all square matrices have inverses. Some square matrices are singular. So we don't have solutions all the time. But if the solution exists, and if A is a square matrix, we can find the solution to the system of equations by saying, take A inverse, multiply it by your answer matrix, and that'll give you the variables x, y, z. The best way to see this in action is with examples. So let's do a few. <laughs> 